Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Fast Money starts right now, and it was a brutal day on Wall Street. The Dow dropping more than 280 points at the lows of the session on fears that the Turkish economy is on the verge of collapse. That country's stock market and currency crashing, the sell-off slamming banks here in the United States and in Europe in particular. This is President Trump slaps new tariffs on Turkish metals. Tim, what do you make of all this? Well, first of all, that's a very clever headline on a very difficult day in Turkey. Um, their economy's not about Turks to collapse. Turks and chaos? Yeah, it's, like it's cute. It's like cute. That. Um, the, <laughs> like their economy's that. not about to collapse. They're probably going to grow 4% this year. Their current account actually gets better in this environment. But let's be clear. This is a very, very difficult time. It's actually a sad day for a NATO ally. Erdogan, to me, is not a guy I'm terribly sympathetic to. In fact, I think Turkey's done this all to themselves. Uh, but when you think about what's going on and you think about the positioning of Paribas, BBVA, uh, Unicredito, and the exposure to that economy, you start to then worry about a European exposure. And obviously, more importantly right now for the U.S. markets, because I think the U.S. can be somewhat resilient in the face of this, and we've seen the outperformance of the U.S. market to the European markets. It's outperformed emerging markets by 17% since April. But the bottom line is, look at what the dollar did today. We got up to 96.50. The Dixie is breaking out. You're seeing the yields are starting to buckle. You're seeing this is going to impact how the ECB runs things. And I think positioning, frankly, we were at 11, you know, an 11 VIX a couple days ago. Even though we're not in January levels, I think the market is not positioned for a big pullback. Yeah, ironic here, uh, David, that, you know, August 15, we're worried about China. That upsets the market. Right. August 18, now we're worried about Turkey the potential of upsetting our market. How concerned do we need to be about what's taking place in Turkey against a backdrop here that seemed to be smooth sailing? Yeah. Look, I think the markets today told you that. I mean, given the fact that it was really, really illiquid markets in general, I mean, we really didn't sell off much. I mean, a blip on the radar screen as far as I'm concerned. We didn't see any panic selling. Nobody's really discussing this as a main theme narrative for their investment thesis going forward, especially in the U.S., except what we hear on TV or through the media outlets. I think people in general... Don't believe, and, and, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but don't believe that this is going to you know, turn into another European crisis. Are you worried that it is? I, I'm not worried that it is. But I why? don't believe well, that it will. Well, but here, so here's I the mean, biggest risk. The biggest risk, in my opinion, is the U.S. dollar. The U.S. dollar staying too strong in the face of the Fed actually moving Yeah, but that's a two-way that, street. That's the point, it's a right? Street, I, mean, right? I mean, if nobody has this priced into their models and into their, into their, uh, their thesis, then this actually does pose a risk. Maybe not Turkey in right. general, but if it gets the U.S. dollar rolling like it did today, that's going to be a headwind for multinationals. That's going to be a headwind for anybody who has U.S. dollar denied nominated debt outside the U.S. That's not just Turkey. So I don't know. I, to me, yeah, you don't want to you don't want to say that there's a huge fire in Turkey that it's going to impact something like Starbucks earnings. But you have to watch the dollar. To me, the dollar is the new VIX. The higher that goes, the more risk we have. Interesting thought. Guy, what do you think Mary about that? We're delivering out for a few weeks. So Marietta from J.P. Morgan Asset said what keeps them awake, I'm paraphrasing, but what concerns them the most of the moves in currencies. And listen, developed market currencies shouldn't move half a percent in a day, let alone 10% in a day, 15% in a day. And that's almost become the norm. That, to me, is a little disconcerting. Now, clearly, the equity markets, today notwithstanding, haven't cared about it. But at a certain point, 
the instability in currencies have to be some sort of a risk factor. I think similar to what Tim is saying and BK is saying well, here. Especially the velocity of these currencies falling out of bed. Euro went below 114 today. Now, yeah, and, maybe and it's right at that level now, but it's no, no, been a pretty you're, you're, precipitous slide. You're right. 114 on the euro is a big level. Guess what else happened today? Guess who's got the highest inflation in 10 years? We do. Okay, you had core CPI come out today, 2.3%. We haven't been here since September of 2008. And meanwhile, the Fed is hiking. So I, I get concerned about this just because I think those are trends we cannot stop. I think we have inflation. Guess what? We've only kicked up uh, the momentum on trade tariffs this week. If you don't think that you're going to not see, let's put it, forget the double negatives. You're going to see more price inflation over the last few, next few months than you've had over the last is, is this Is this really going to upset this, what seemed to be a formality in terms of a march towards these new highs? Does anybody think that? Not, seemed like not, we were going to hit that. Not, not and maybe we were going to do it this week. And now we're ending the week more worried about uh, someplace overseas than we are about anything that's well, happening Well, listen, the risk-reward is not great here, right? Let's just say you're entering the market today. I don't think the risk-reward is that great because we're at highs. We have a higher dollar. Do I want to put an additional dollar to work? Or do I want to see how this plan pans out, see what happens? Well, I'd what rather wait. Today. That's what we saw today. People wa just watching the tape, not necessarily jumping in with their new capital into, into names that they still may love. Just watching the market's at all time record. highs, guys. But right, I mean, it's not new capital. And look what happened to the market. The positioning is, but the position. Yeah, but not if you think the market could go to three thousand by the end of the year, thirty one hundred. Which I but think. But BK's well, how much of a pullback are you going to wait for? It, it's a little snug today. It fits a little better because yeah, we're, we're getting. And that's, that's is, that, a is that good or bad? I don't know. If that's good because, or bad. But look, guys, my huskies fit a little 90, snug. We're, we're your big bone. We're ninety percent <laughs> of the way through earnings season. We're at market positioning, which is not you know at the city surprise index lows. We're actually at a place where people have repositioned. You're actually seeing people feel very comfortable with the U.S. market on a right. day like today. The VIX is at 13. Okay, so no, it's not time to oh, jump out a window. Yesterday, the VIX is at 10. But, you know? but that's right. And, and ultimately, if you ask me where I think there are risks, I think the same risks we had yesterday. The Fed is still your problem. The dollar is potentially the still Fed. your problem. What's the, and, and the rest the of the Fed world is, right now is suffering right. under the weight of our tariffs. I like that you're going there. What is the bigger risk or the biggest? Is it trade? Is it the dollar? Is it rates? The dollar. Trade, trade, trade in the dollar. The dollar. I think, you know, look, capital flows flowing into the United States, and you see the dollar staying on this trajectory of being strong. I think is the biggest risk. I mean, Tim talks about, you know, inflation and the impact on inflation. Look, as far as I'm concerned, you see commodity prices are going to drop under that scenario, right? So from an inflationary perspective, it should be deflationary. And that's kind of my point a little bit. Like, we could look at the Fed and say the Fed's a risk, but ultimately I think the strength in the dollar is going to create but a narrative where they can be more dovish from from any perspective, right? Do you, do you get excited, though, when you see the 10%, which was knocking at the door at 3%, which was oh, bullish for markets? We got to the place where, are we, where we were embracing a 3% tenure because it actually meant growth. And now, boom, we're all the way back down to 285. Right. And you've got dynamics here, which, yes, you're right. It gets the Fed further out of the picture. And I think the ECB is even more out of the, picture, of the picture. But that's not where we wanted to be. If you think the dollar guy is the biggest risk out there, if we collectively think that that's where Currencies, we want to say, but, but okay, yes. then you have to be concerned about uh, Well, yeah, happening. and I think, so just taking that one step forward, I think, to me, the existential risk is there a European banking crisis that will have contagion here in the United States. I have no idea, but European banks don't trade particularly well, and Deutsche Bank, which, by the way, has rallied over the last couple of weeks, seems to be headed right back down to a 10-handle like it was back, I think, May, uh, June. So if you're asking me what my biggest concern is, it's European banks. All right. Uh, as all this geopolitical turmoil sends stocks lower today, our next guest says a classic pattern in the charts is pointing.
to even more pain ahead. The chart master, Carter Worth of Cornerstone Macro at the Plasma, to break it all down. Carter. Sir, yes. Uh, uh, there are patterns and they have names, right? We think of heads and shoulders and cups and handles. They're also double bottoms. They're double tops. I want to talk about what a double top is and uh, where we are now in relation to a prior high in the market. But some classic examples. So here's the Dow Jones transportation average um, and the plunge that took place in 09 and this recovery in 2011 right back to former highs. And what we know what happened from there is the following. It was a double top and you got this perfect failure at the high and a really big wipeout. Now, if I were to go on to another example, just to make a point, this is the S&P. We all lived through this. Of course, this was the 2000 peak and the 2007 peak. And if we put in the lines, what we know is we failed right at the former high. Let's keep going. Just to be agnostic, what about uh, Sam Adams? It rose just as of two weeks ago to its high, reported earnings, and what it did on its earnings was the following. It plunged, dropped in gap, and of course the principle was that it got back to a difficult level. So let's keep going, and let's talk about the most epic high of all time. The Hunt brothers tried to corner the market, and they did effectively until the government uh, changed the margin requirements on them and put them out of business. And silver got exactly back to that high, and what we know is it failed. So I want to talk about the S&P. They're minor, double tops, intermediate, and major. If we look at the S&P, if it's a major double top like silver over many years, it has major implications. This is not a major double top. Let's put in the lines. It's an intermediate top, which is to say we know we were here in late January. We're now here in early August. And even if you don't decline, the principle is this. Before you can exceed a former high, you have to contend with it. And what that means in principle is either we back and fill or we back away. Neither is a bad thing, but that's what happens when you first approach a prior high. Do you want to invite him I, I over? Think, I, there's a lot yeah. to be sitting in. I think he's very worthy. Yeah. He's very worthy. No. Very worthy. Yeah. No. Come no. on over. That's a well dressed for Friday. Come on over. Very worthy. Very well dressed. I was thinking you had to have like 15 charts to get to the desk, but, you know, we'll make an exception on this Friday. Ten will do it. <laughs> What's more likely to happen, do you think, if so, you... Do so this backfill thing at the we well, retest these Either levels. There's a normal response. The principle is that we've had a 10% figure. The low was February 9th, and here we are essentially August 9th. Six months, 10% advance, back to a former high. Very rarely do you get back and just push right through. So it's the if it's if, if you're in test taking, right, you try to eliminate the wrong answer and then figure out the right one. So the wrong answer is just you go right through. It's the other two. It's sideways or down. That's the likely scenario when you first approach a former high. Well, okay, but how about the triple Qs? How about the Nasdaq that are through that high? They don't have to, uh, to, to encounter no, or deal with what, what, what we're getting. Versus, let's say, you know, industrials, which are nowhere near their high, right? So can or the S&P have a major pullback if the Nasdaq continues to charge higher? Here's where it really gets down to. What we know is there are only three sectors that are outperforming the market, right? And what we do know is the market's up 6% in the year, but the, uh, the median performance is up only 2.2. The equal weight is up 3.5. It's so dependent on just the areas you're referring to. Top five stocks are bigger than the bottom 280 in the S&P. If there's any faltering in that group, Apple's not faltering, but we saw Facebook falter, right? We saw Netflix falter. If there's any trouble in that, right, but you could, you, you can't you, break you out. You do have other things to, to fill the void, perhaps. I mean, healthcare is coming off a, a great month. And healthcare is back in, right in to July. Its right. It's the best performing sector in the June, July. Yeah, period, and, right? and it's a large sector. It's well, not, it, uh, it's not you know. small, but, it's, but remember, it's not the same as 
what we know is we're so dependent on Amazon well, of course. and Apple. That's that's really. Let's say we break out through in the S and P's. Well, eventually, let's say this. Remember, all double tops eventually are exceeded, and you go on to make new highs. Right. It's it's the principle of the the. Most people believe that when you get to a high and if you break out, that you're going to break out. That's what bull traps are about. In fact, if we make a slight new high, I mean, it draws in computers. Right. Chart monkeys like me say, oh, look, right. here it goes. It's exactly wrong to chase that. The other thing you have to look at, I think Carter would probably echo this, is the Russell was on fire from the spring until the middle of June, went basically straight up. Since then, it's gone sideways to slightly lower. So if you're looking for reinforcement on his transports, I would look at the IWM, and I would look at it in the, in the sort of around the 165 level-ish for critical support. So if you want reinforcement for transports, look at the Russell. Carter, thanks. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on uh, Options Action just a little bit. Yep. We'll see you over there. All right, coming up. Well, deep yogurt and jail, those are just two places that former SEC chair Harvey Pitt says Tesla CEO Elon Musk could find himself. Mr. Pitt's going to be here to explain exactly what he means. Plus, as we go to break, let's play a little stock Jeopardy. Mm. Wow, let's This see. stock is up 80% this year, the top performer in its sector, one of the most shorted names on the street. So what ah, is it? We'll I do know. that later. We are live at the next. Now you don't know. What? You don't know. On this summer Friday, we're back no, right after this. don't know. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. If you thought this was a big week for Tesla shares, just wait because next week could be even more critical for the fate of that company. Our Leslie Picker live in the newsroom with what lies ahead. Leslie. Hey, Scott, a complicated take private like the one Elon Musk laid out would be tough to structure without the advice of experts. Sources have told us that the board plans to meet with investment bankers next week to begin hammering down the details. The process will be void of Musk, who will need to recuse himself, as was the case with Michael Dell in the management buyout of his namesake company. But the remaining independent directors have an uphill climb in front of them. Despite Musk's now infamous tweet that the funding is, quote, secured, it's been three days. And so far, no one has been able to really find out the source of financing either debt or equity for what would amount to be about a $70 billion deal. In the meantime, short sellers have reclaimed much of the $1.3 billion in paper losses suffered the day of Musk's tweet. One of them, David Einhorn, used the opportunity to poke fun at Musk on Twitter, writing today, I want to thank Elon Musk for the shorts. He is a man of his word. They did come with some manufacturing defects. Hashtag Tesla. In the end, it was actually apparel maker Chubbies that sent more than 50 short shorts to David Einhorn. Earlier this month, Musk tweeted at the short seller saying he would send him a box of short shorts. While these tweets appear to be in jest, Musk's comments about short sellers could actually get him into trouble with regulators because it may be evidence of his intent to squeeze them. The SEC is reportedly looking into the truthfulness of his comments, particularly whether the funding has actually been secured. That scrutiny will likely continue into next week, as it does not appear to have concluded quickly. Scott. All right, Les, thanks so much. Leslie Picker with the latest there. Our next guest says Elon Musk is in, quote, deep yogurt 
uh, what is deep yogurt and what does it mean for Tesla? Let's find out. Harvey Pitts, the former SEC chairman, CEO now of Calorama Partners. He joins us. Mr. Pitt, welcome to Fast Money. Thank you. I'm good to be here. Funding secured, no details yet. How much of a problem is that? Well, I think it's a serious problem because this would be the largest going private transaction in the history of the world. He needs to demonstrate that at the time he tweeted, he had a legally enforceable commitment to fund $420 a share or 70 some odd billion dollars. And if he cannot show that he had that money at the time, he would have a serious problem. And as we used to say in Brooklyn, he would be in deep yogurt. Yeah, uh, I, I get all that. Uh, and to be fair, I've, I've had people say to me, even in the face of all of that, and talking to some investors, yeah, but there's no way the SEC is going to prosecute this guy. How would you respond to that? Well, I think the SEC will weigh the evidence, and if there's evidence that he did not have a firm commitment, I think the SEC will pursue him. They have never shied away from pursuing any case in which somebody engaged in a flagrant violation of the securities laws. How do you think motivation plays into all this? As Leslie Picker was just laying out, this notion that the tweet in and of itself um, was, was meant to hurt the short sellers more than anything else? Well, uh, you would, in order to show manipulation, you must show a uh, mental intent to try and artificially influence the price of the stock. One relevant fact is that in 2017, Musk, in a print interview, already started talking about going private. So there would have to be some evidence that indicated that his clear intent here was to influence the price. Some of the things that would influence that are the fact that he made his announcement in the middle of a trading day. That's highly irregular and unusual. It is not illegal per se, but it is extraordinarily illegal because it promotes huge swings in the stock price. Usually people wait before the market opens or they wait until the market has closed. That did not happen here. Harvey, I'm looking at the notes from the producers. They say that you believe going to jail is still on the table in this, in this case. Do you truly believe that? No, I didn't uh, say that he would go to jail. I was asked what the range of penalties are. One of the penalties for either committing fraud or committing uh, an act of manipulation would be criminal responsibility and liability. So if you're looking at what the potential is here, it can range anywhere from monetary uh, payments to actual jail time. Harvey, it's, it, it's Tim Seymour. Thanks for joining us. What about the board? What's your assessment of either, you know, how much they followed the appropriate protocol? Is there any connection to yogurt for these folks? Um, bottom line, it seems like they're scrambling uh, to actually get in the right side of this trade. Well, I think they may, uh, in fact, be in some yogurt themselves. How deep it is remains to be seen. Part of the problem here is that going private transactions create a conflict between the management that wants to take the company private and the shareholders who are public uh, investors. That requires independent directors to seize control of the entire uh, operation 
to consider whether they should go private, and if so, on what terms. Here you have the CEO doing everything, and the company was quite silent while these tweets came out. In addition, when the company finally did come out with a statement, they said they had met over the weekend and they had discussed financing, but it has subsequently been reported that at no time has Musk identified to the board what his financing source is. That's a serious omission and raises questions about the validity of the discussion the board put out. RV, I have a feeling we'll be speaking about this in the near future. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. My pleasure. RV Pitt, Calaremba Partners, of course, former chair of the SEC. What do you do with the stock in the meantime? Well, no I'll tell touch. you what. Go ahead, David. I, I think it's a no touch. I mean, you can't touch the story right now, in my opinion. I, I think the board could react and it, you know, throw him out, essentially. Uh, I think that there was commentary actually hit the tape, Tesla That's making a comment. Happened about the fact that they're going to go after a wide swath of investors to secure funding. I mean, I thought they already had funding secured. To me, there's too many missing links here. I don't think it's a, a story you can touch. Uh, to, you know, Carter's talking double tops, by the way. Look at that chart. I mean, you know, it looks like 380 is an area where the stock wants to fail yet again. Um, but again, I, I think the news is going to get worse for better. All right, still ahead. Semis getting smacked today. The charts pointed to even more pain for one name reporting next week. We're going to tell you what it is. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Five, four, three, two, one. Happy 1999. A number of Web 2.0 stocks are surging like it's 1999. And one name looks poised for even more gains. We'll give it to you. Plus, life all comes down to a few moments. And it will be a key moment for a number of retail stocks when they report earnings next week. We'll tell you which one our traders see breaking out when Fast Money returns. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Welcome back. Time to play a little oh. stock Jeopardy. The category is this tech stock is surging. All right, here are the clues. Up 85% just this year. Hit a 52-week high this week. It's one of the most shorted stocks in the market. So do you know what it is? Yes. Even though the name is in the teleprompter. I'm not. What is it? I'm, I knew what is before it? the you know freaking prompter. I'm going to let Guy. Guy feels the need right. to be right on this one. Guy, what is no, the name go of this for it. What is Advanced Micro? I what is AMD, Scott? I mean, why is yeah. the name in the teleprompter? Wow. I, mean, I, like, I can't that? see your teleprompter. It's like completely I'm cheating. looking at my he camera. Totally cheated. Number no, one. Fine. Number two, kudos to Cowan, who put an 18 and a half price target on this sucker when it was 10 bucks. Kudos to Susquehanna, who got it wrong but admitted so back in April. 
And Goldman Sachs just upgraded the stock to neutral. Now what do you do with this stock? I mean, now, now that it's from doubled. From 13 what, up to right. 21. Do do? I think you stay with it. Merrill Lynch just put a $24 price target on it. It's going high. AMD got upgraded today. Yes. By Goldman As Sachs. Intel got down, yeah, downgraded yeah. to a and sell, that's been, the, a, that's been the trend. We had a meeting. The CEO actually came in last Thursday after they reported. We had a group lunch. We had a marketing, essentially, in New York City all day. And the, the main takeaway was they are just getting started. So this is a company you want to stick with and own for the long term. By the way, also Nick Lowry in the stock draft nailed this one. Good mm. for him. Nice job, yeah. Nick. All right. It's time for final trade. Go around the horn. Timmy, you are up first. Yeah, I tell you what. I, I brought up the Russell. I think the reality here is that you see small caps struggling a bit. I would be short this stock to give me some protection in other places. Uh, same with a, a consumer discretion name, Burlington, B-U-R-L. I am a buyer of this name. As in the Coat Factory? As in Burlington Coat Factory. Wow. Right, thank you. That, you know. There you go. Well, you know what? Believe it or not, I'm going to tell you to buy Bitcoin. One of the best risk rewards we've seen to get into Bitcoin in a long time here. Mr. Huge away coming up, Scott. I know you're fired up. I saw it in your eyes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I Kroger is about to break out to the upside. All right. Mm -hmm. A little super Great weekend. Guys, thank you very yeah, much. Great weekend, Scott. everybody. That does it for us. You can catch us back here 5 p.m. on Monday. Do not move, though. Options Action starts now. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.